0: You weren't here for the part, but usually the intro goes. <laughs> Can
1: you recreate it then?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drink your coffee, get jacked up. It's time for the block talk. Essentially, the block talk as a podcast will be a collaborative effort between myself and the best people in the business here in Little Rock to bring up-to-date market and industry information in a fun, exciting way. Rick Bertram is out of town this week so he has joined me via Skype to discuss all of the things you need to know about residential appraisal.
1: Uh, Thank you Jamie. Um, I am a certified residential appraiser here. Someone call the cops there's an appraiser
0: here also with a real estate agent. Sorry.
1: Um, Here in Little Rock, Arkansas, Central Arkansas. Um, Yeah, I've been doing it for 15 years and uh, it's, it's an interesting job.
0: Would you say that you are the best there is?
1: I absolutely not. I think there's plenty of better appraisers than me, but I do care about what I do, and I take a
0: lot of pride in my work. I actually did a little bit of research before we had this, and I got a quote from someone that works with you quite often. Um, This is from a mortgage lender pretty high up uh, in our industry, and he says, quote, Rick and his team use cutting-edge valuation technology. He knows the central Arkansas real estate market better than any appraiser we've ever worked with. He is fair, precise, and enjoys helping buyers and sellers understand what they are buying and what the valuation implications are. Rick is an educator and a leader in the residential valuation industry, and for these reasons, he will always have a partner in Eagle Bank Mortgage. End quote.
1: That's a very flattering comment.
0: Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> That's that. A very, That's good.
1: I, it's a very flattering thing to say.
0: Right, so that's why we wanted to have you here on the Block Talk, because the purpose of this podcast, as you know, when you were invited on, is to add value to our listeners and to express to them the things that, on the real estate industry side of things, that we see that not everybody understands. So, what is the big mystery, anyways, between appraisers, realtors, and lenders? How come they can't just all get in bed together?
1: <laughs> well, that's an interesting way, interesting way to put it. Um, we, you have to understand the client-appraiser relationship to understand who can talk, when they can talk, and what they can talk about. In most buying situations, uh, the lender and the appraiser have a client relationship.
0: So the bank orders the appraisal from you.
1: Correct. So we don't necessarily have a relationship with anybody else.
0: So when you go to my house and I own the house and you come to my house to appraise it, I'm told by my real estate agent, the guy's going to call you, he's going to come to your house and look at it, and, I, and you come there and I meet you and I say, hey, what's up, can you tell me what it's worth? What's your answer to that?
1: Well, that's a common question we get asked, and the answer is, well, number one, I'm not good enough to tell you what your house is worth after a 10-minute, you know, visit. So that's probably more important.
0: So, note to self: if an appraiser comes by your house for 10 minutes, <laughs> yeah, maybe. If I was that good, I'd
1: be, I'd probably be in a different profession. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, it's. Um, Information that I uncover or discover or information that I have an opinion on as that relates to that assignment, to that piece of property, is between me and my client. And I keep that information confidential unless otherwise they tell me I can share information with someone, including so th- the, the seller of the house, the borrower of the lo- on the loan, an agent involved, uh, anybody else I would ask for uh, permission in writing to discuss information that I came up with related to that assignment.
0: Okay. So that kind of answers the question of why homeowners kind of think appraisers can be, you know, and agents. So they don't understand why you won't talk to them, but it's because your client relationship is with the bank.
1: Correct. And I would I wouldn't incur uh, liability. We, we sign agreements with our clients typically that require us to keep that information confidential besides the fact that I would be violating, you know, uniform standards for professional appraisal practice, which is... Use PEP. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> our kind of uh, rule book yeah. you know, to, to, to be ethical.
0: Yeah, those are the things you're bound by. Like, right. realtors have their own set of uh, guidelines as well. So, what do you think the reason is the communication breakdown between realtors and appraisers then? Since you have so much information about the market, you would think that realtors would want to talk with you and you talk with them about what's going on.
1: Well, I think in most circumstances, those general discussions can take place as it relates to a specific transaction with a house. The appraiser has to be really careful about what they say to an agent involved in the transaction. And if they don't run that by their client first, whether or not they can talk about that transaction, then it's probably safe to say that they should they should keep that information confidential. But if the client says, hey, look, you can talk to the agents involved in this transaction, uh, I think it's sometimes appropriate for the appraiser to, to walk the agent through a process that they don't understand, to explain, you know, maybe even, the guidelines that were following and the thought process by which they came up with an opinion. Okay. So if, if it's gonna clear up any mystery, if it's gonna clear up any miscommunication, I think it's appropriate.
0: We'll move on then to square footage because that's my favorite thing and as an agent I keep getting these deals that come across and the house is 300 square feet different than the seller thought it was or it's 200 or it's 50. So is square footage a standard set of rules? Does every appraiser measure by the same standard? How do we find out how big our house is?
1: This is a good question. Um, There is not technically one standard by which all appraisers measure. Uh There is a standard that's recognized and that's, I would say, encouraged. We're encouraged to use. The State Appraisal Board in Arkansas considers it good practice to use what's called ANSI standard, and that's a nationalized set of standards to measure uh, gross living area. And they're online and anybody can find it. They're really easy to search for. There's, it's a PDF. It's about 10 pages. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes to read through all of them. And they're real common sense. They're real practical. And it's amazing to me that more agents really don't have a copy of the standards uh, in a file somewhere to refer to because they explicitly spell out what they think can and cannot be included in reporting gross living area. Right. And without getting into the details of it um, like I said they're very intuitive and, re- and they address things like ceiling height um, finish um, of, of interior space and things like that so the, the appraisers that I know and I speak for our firm too typically follow those standards the ANSI standard um, it's, it's there's better, exceptions though right there's always, always an exception there's always an exception to a rule it's, but it's best to be consistent if my, if my appraiser peers and agents are using the same standard, and even if it's not exactly right all the time, it's consistent and reliable. And right. I think that's the key.
0: Isn't that the board's big thing anyways is always have something to hang your hat on, always have something to back your facts?
1: I think it's an industry accepted standard that, that holds weight. Okay. And it's reliable. And to answer your other question, you know, the agents can always – hire someone who's familiar with those standards to measure a house. It doesn't have to be an appraiser.
0: It's like we all hold on at the roller coaster and we get to the top and here the appraisal comes in and we put our arms up and hope for the best.
1: Why would you you take that risk? But that's me. But like I said, county records uh, in most counties, I hear this across the United States from other appraisers, just aren't as reliable um, as they should be sometimes. And I wouldn't, as a uh, professional, place any weight on something I know to be sometimes unreliable. So I think uh, an agent performing due diligence would hire or themselves measure a house or a bunch to list. But call me crazy. I
0: mean, yeah. I mean, I measure my own, but I might I, have I a...
1: I don't understand why you wouldn't, Right, you know how to do it.
0: It really does provide an extra level of comfort to your buyers sure. and sellers, too, knowing that they're paying per foot and they know how many feet they're paying for. I really have been approached quite a bit since I've moved over from the appraisal industry to the real estate industry about price per square foot. I can't tell you how many times per day an agent says to me, Jamie, the price per square foot in Leewood is X amount of dollars. And I always kind of giggle to myself. What do you think when an agent says to you, price per square foot in a neighborhood?
1: You know, this question is one of the other many questions that comes up. It is probably... It's... Question that I can't like like the square footage issue um, is a question I can't believe we're still having an answer. And I'll tell you why. It's oversimplification of how houses are bought and sold. And the best example I could give you is it's like the body mass index. You know the body mass index. Yeah, the BMI that you tells me I'm your obese. go to doctor, and if you're 5'10" and 200 pounds, you're considered X, and it may be obese. The body mass index doesn't account for his build. I'm a broad guy. Yeah. When I go into the doctor, they tell me I'm obese. I have you no guys
0: fat. haven't met Rick. He's a big dude. That's right.
1: But I'm not <laughs> obese, as you can see. Yeah, he's ripped.
0: I'm not ripped. We're I'm having not a obese. push. We're having a push-up push, push contest. No.
1: But it's the same for houses, and houses aren't all built the same. Some houses have big lots, some have small lots. Some have three-car garage, some have have two-car garage. Some have been updated, some have not been updated. And so the price per square foot method doesn't account for those differences.
0: Neither for regression or progression either, right?
1: Well, it it doesn't. Price per square foot is only reliable in a neighborhood that's homogeneous, that's all houses look the same. All houses are built the same. Uh, they're very similar in square footage. They're very similar. In <coughs> the Roush
0: house. Coleman. So, oh, sorry. A, <laughs> perfect
1: example. Um, in that instance, and even then still,
0: there's some, some have
1: fences, some don't. Some have fireplaces, some don't. Some have covered porches, some have open patios. True. And so price per foot blends that total price in with the square footage as if the square footage is driving the total price and it's not there's other factors at play there and that's why it's unreliable it's not 100% reliable in a neighborhood that's cookie cutter so it's definitely not reliable in a neighborhood that's older with a wide mix of uses and styles and ages
0: right like Park Hill you could be driving around Park Hill and you could see a duplex you could see a a 4,000 square foot house you could see really anything in a neighborhood like that so when someone says the price per foot in this neighborhood okay
1: and so it, it could hurt you or help you either way.
0: But you could never go in and purchase a property. That's, that's the thing I run into is I hear people say, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to purchase a property in there for $45 a foot because my friend sold a house over there for $150 a foot. I mean, well, who a, knows what you're dealing with on either side.
1: Exactly. It gives you no insight into the property's characteristics. Now, like I said, um, there is a degree of reasonableness. And some agents, I think, and even appraisers can toss around price per foot uh, as it relates to very general areas, right, and as, the, as a kind of test of reasonableness. That for example, if you, it's commonly known that some neighborhoods sell in on the hundred dollars price per foot range. You know, hey, I've got this listing. I'm going to list it for 150 a foot. Sounds a little bit out of range. So, in that instance, it's it's a it's a very general thing to talk about.
0: Just to, yeah. So would a property investor or an an agent, a person that wants to invest in real estate just that's uninformed, would they be wise to hire an appraiser? And could they do that? Could they come to an appraiser and say, hey, Rick, I want to hire you to consult on all my transactions?
1: Yeah, we do a lot of work for private uh, individuals and investors. And I think that's where our skills are probably put to the best use. Um,
0: Would you say people are generally uninformed? I think that most
1: new investors tend to have um, some misconceptions miscom- uh, about the real estate market, and I think also um, it's hard to apply hard fast rules to all markets. Uh, ne- uh, residential neighborhoods are nuanced; um, their supply and demand are driven by different factors in different neighborhoods. It's it's not always the same in every neighborhood. What buy, what, what sells a house, um, and so I think investors get into to problems when they don't do a lot of local research, and it takes time. Local research takes a lot of time. Um,
0: like fifteen years. And probably longer. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, at least at least several years for us to really pinpoint uh, what drives people to buy houses in Park Hill doesn't drive the same people to buy houses in other markets. It's just not. The, it's not always the same. Investors could expand their footprint by buying and selling houses in unfamiliar markets, and you pay an appraiser to do the legwork for you.
0: Do you think appraisers do a lot of legwork?
1: We do. You do? Our firm does a lot of legwork. It's a
0: lot of paperwork, huh?
1: It's, it is a lot of paperwork. <laughs> it's, it, it is uh, part of our uh, obligations to our standards of conduct to keep a work file.
0: And that's one of the things real estate agents, too, don't really know about appraisers is that they think you guys make a ton of money to run around and tell them what these houses are worth. And really what, what you're doing is working super hard to, to put out there a product that they can rely on, right? I mean, ultimately, it's your opinion of value that decides whether or not that transaction
1: yeah. goes through. Yeah. Behind that opinion of value, I mean, there's two parts of an appraisal. There's the development of an opinion and then there's the actual reporting.
0: Well there's the a third, opinion. it's called the liability. Yeah, well <laughs> that's 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 definitely the reason
1: there is standards. Right. Is to to encourage trust in our profession and I think they do. But for every opinion of value I deliver to a client, there's a huge workfall behind it. Right. And there that what that's for is to to create trust, I didn't just pull a number out of the clear blue sky, that I that <laughs> I have a rationale and support. Uh, in evidence, it's like building a case to present in front of a judge.
0: Well, and with your reputation in Little Rock, a lot of people would, would expect you to be able at this point to pull values out um, just because <laughs> you've worked here for so long and have such well, a good reputation. And I know for our listeners that aren't aware that have listened to the previous podcast about iRealty and Maurice and Kristen, maybe aren't aware that my background actually is in real estate appraisal and you were the final mentor. The final mentor. I don't know. Uh, that I got to work for you. And I would say um, you definitely hold us to a higher standard when it comes to research. And um, would you say that realtors should be receiving more phone calls from appraisers about verification of data? Or would you say that most appraisers call them? I know you made me call them. I think
1: <laughs> that that's a very critical piece of the appraisal puzzle is to interview the agents involved in the transactions. But not only that, it is required to verify the sales um,
0: County of the appraisal. Records kind of.
1: records just aren't enough. And typically an interview can really shed some light on things that don't look apparent from just a listing sheet.
0: Do you have an instance where something like that has occurred? And you found out later because of your interview, what happened with the problem? Yeah.
1: It, it, as a matter of fact, um, I was using the comparable sale in a neighborhood that looked, you know, like a model match for my subject. And it was, um, about 10% less than the rest of the sales in the neighborhood. It was such a close model match to the subject that I felt like I felt compelled to use it. Um, Design-wise, style-wise, location-wise. When I called the agent to talk about the sale, I said, hey, tell me about this sale. You know, the first thing out of her mouth was, oh, goodness, that was the hardest thing to sell. It was dirty. There were pet, pet stains everywhere. The yard was tore up. And oh. Negative drainage. And so I was able to disqualify disqualify that as a sale in the report for that reason, and I notated that in the work file. And if I hadn't called that agent, I would have had no idea. Right. Um, Now, it's only one sale, but it may have impacted my opinion of value. Right. And that's that's a good example, and that happens quite often.
0: I bet that happens a lot when people are going to move. They need to get out of a house quickly, and so they're willing to sell it for less. How would Mm -hmm. you know?
1: And I think that's why you call the agents – you know, agents don't have uh, to post the gory details of why people sell houses, and they sell them for all kinds of reasons, but some reasons may be um, atypical. They could affect the price. For instance, a divorce situation, a bankruptcy, a estate situations. many reasons. So these
0: would all be different kinds of types of value too. Like let's say someone was ordering an appraisal for all these things. They got a divorce. They wanted to know what the house was worth. They hired you. So they would have to give you a specific opinion of value, right? Something to engage you with.
1: All assignments, um, the definition of the value that you're reporting is one of the most critical pieces of the appraisal. Um, If we don't get on the same page, what kind of value you want,
0: Liquidation, liquidation. Yes,
1: liquidation value and market value are probably two different things. Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully for us, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, USDA, VA uh, typically, uh, or always actually, ask us to report market value and they give us a a definition to use that we can literally check off each little uh, criteria and that makes it really easy. Uh, for us to report a value that they, as, a, as the client, uh, require.
0: So you as an appraiser, too, so you've seen a ton of deals go down and you hear the bad rap that, that appraisers get from agents all the time about, oh, he killed my deal. Bertram killed my deal, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, when- <laughs> Sorry, I hear that. Yeah. I've,
1: been, I've been cussed out. I've been um, threatened. I've and not- <laughs> Those are very atypical circumstances. And that's Um, not
0: even when you're taking comparable property photos. That's
1: That's, that's just, yeah, professionally. Um, (laughs) No, it's... Real estate, residential real estate is an emotional game. And I definitely have um, some sympathy for how hard agents work and what they put up with. I know that dealing with the public is difficult. (laughs) Selling a house is always difficult. There's nothing... Uh, probably more stressful than moving, like, for for people, you know, it's just difficult. And so I get all that. In my experience, I, you know, agents have lost their cool with me, and I've lost my cool with agents, but I've never, um, I've never had an agent since I, in my career, asked me to do something unethical. Right. And that's mo- more important than anything. Right. But we do disagree. And that's fine. Um, and, and it always ends up to be civil conversations. And, and, uh, but at the end of the day, I have to follow my uniform standards and appraisal practice to the letter. And then I have to follow uh, my client's instructions to the letter. And sometimes my client's instructions and uh, the goals of the agents are, are different. and (laughs) it just happens
0: that was a good way to put that that was a really good way to put that
1: it's there's there's a lot of gray in residential real estate yeah and if you're in the black and white it's the wrong business to be in
0: well what uh so this is the ultimate question then as an appraiser you have all this knowledge um i'm sure if you were going to sell your house you would you would already know a really good real estate agent to help you with (laughs) that but But my question would be, so let's say the unsuspecting real estate agents that you've lined up to interview don't know that you are Ricky B. Bertram, yeah, the that's, appraiser that's, of Little Rocks. So, <laughs> <that's ridiculous>. So <laughs> they come in there to line up and interview. What do you ask them, you with all your knowledge, what do you ask a realtor to make sure that you got one that, that knows what they're doing? That's a
1: good question, Jamie. Um, I would expect them to have a really good grasp of the specific market I was selling my house out of and understand the supply and demand factors uh, that potential buyers are up against, i.e., you know, if, if mortgage financing is, is readily available, if the rates are low, what are rates doing right now? You know, what's the demand for this tax district? What are you hearing? What's, your, what's the word on the street about our neighborhood? And I think timing is obviously everything with, with selling real estate. So an agent who has a grasp on those factors, that would be really important to me. you know. And um, I don't think a lot of gimmicks impress me, but that's me personally. But agents with a good breadth of knowledge and a lot of experience do.
0: So uh, for you personally, you have to get up and go out every day and climb in attics and crawl spaces and pull measuring tapes and all that. So how do you get going? What drives you um, before we get done here? What is the thing that drives you to get up and go every day? Is there like a really good Van Halen song that you listen to in the morning or uh, is that too light for your taste? No, think, uh, <laughs> What's your jam?
1: Golly, there's so many. It's, it's usually on the heavy metal end of the spectrum. So
0: not village people. Not those people. Okay.
1: Probably hair, uh, some 80s hair metal band. Okay. Anything like Motley Crue. I like it. Van Halen, <laughs> um, you know, hard-driving guitars, and then some coffee. I'm, I'm pretty good to go. Yeah,
0: I have seen him survive on, on coffee. Yeah, so, okay. um, Well, we're going to put the links on our blog and website for the ANSI standards for measurement if agents are curious about finding out more information on what – constitute square footage and congruent floor plans. And then as far as any other standards we have as appraisers, 4150 handbook or maybe some of the FHA guidelines that that Rick knows about and has to adhere to when he's doing an appraisal. We'll put those out on our website so that you can get them. If you want to get a hold of Rick, you can always find him on Facebook. You can also go check him out playing soccer Wednesday night at Burns Park. He'll be the big dude throwing everyone down. Or you can uh, check him out, Bertram Realty Advisors, and give him a call if you need some help with anything value-related block out